Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Between Us. I am your host, Ashleen Chan. And the episode I have lined up for you today, I am extremely excited about. It's a topic that I feel passionately about, too. It is exploring the healing power of Reiki. I find the world of Reiki so fascinating. It's a practice that's all about healing energy, and holistic well-being. Reiki is a Japanese healing technique that focuses on channeling universal energy to help promote physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Now, I've seen the practice gain popularity in the past few decades, but it's been around for a while, and it's known for its ability to help reduce stress, pain, and just generally enhance your overall health and vitality. It is, however, a topic that does spark curiosity and intrigue. It has been met with skepticism, and it leaves us with a lot of questions. I mean, it's definitely left me with a lot of questions, and this is why I've, you know, I've invited my friend here today who's a practitioner to help us shed a little bit more light on Reiki, the benefit that this practice provides, and how it can just fit into the broader landscape of your overall health and holistic healing. I have my friend Katie here today. She is a practitioner of Reiki. She's a seasoned practitioner of Reiki, let me correct myself. And she's got a wealth of knowledge and experience, and she is here to share her insights and wisdom with us and just to provide a general overview of the world of Reiki. And so whether you are familiar with the practice or you're hearing about it for the first time, I hope this episode is enlightening and thought-provoking. And so without further ado, Katie, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Let's (laughs) dive in. Before we go into the topic and I start asking you more questions about Reiki. I just want to let the listeners know how we met. So Katie and I, we met about four or five years ago. We were both in the same MBA program. And when we started that cohort together, it was a smaller cohort. I think we were just so busy and just struggling to figure out our bearings and with our different teams. (laughs) We didn't really connect until well into the second half of the program. And I think that's because we had gotten so comfortable. (laughs) And with our, the mess that some of the groups were, we were just (laughs) in the survival mode at that, at that time. And I think like, I don't know how the topic had come up, but I discovered that you had an interest in psychics because I do as well. (laughs) I do as well. (laughs) Though to the listeners, please take them with a grain of salt. You know, but I do, I am fascinated with like psychics, Reiki, different spiritual practices. And I lean more heavily into what I feel like is calling out to me strongly. And I think that's why I've invited you here because Reiki called to you and that's why you've become, you know, a licensed practitioner. Mm -hmm. I'm just so happy at how our relationship has evolved. Yeah. Of all the people that I started the program with, There was a lot of brilliant minds, by the way, in our cohort, Mm -hmm. very successful people. 
And though I've got a great relationship with most of them, you and I connect on a very different level. Yeah. Which is so great for me because as I delve more into my spiritual journey, it's really hard to find like-minded people. Agreed. And this journey can be isolating. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't find your tribe, your soul tribe of people, it's really hard to talk about some of the things that go on in your head. And I reached out a lot to you during the pandemic because, you know, the collective energy felt heavy. So when I would talk to some of my other friends, they wouldn't know what I was talking about when I would use words such as collective energy. I feel it. I feel like I'm drowning, Mm -hmm. right? And I need to get out of it. And you told me how to deal with that to a certain extent, transmute it. And some of the ways was, you know, just stepping away from the news because that can also wreak havoc on our mind and our emotions. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to you so many times over the years as well. Like, for instance, when there's Mercury in retrograde and things will, certain things will surface up. And I didn't know why they were surfacing. And you told me, Ashleen, when certain things are coming to the forefront during different moon cycles or when planets are in retrograde, it's an opportunity for you to finally deal with those emotions. Otherwise, they'll keep resurfacing until you learn your lesson. But the way you explained it to me made sense. So I was able to do the inner work and I've seen people call it shadow work as well. So however you coined the term, it is going deep within you to identify those root causes, addressing it so that you can move on to deal with another issue. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're just constantly having to clear up your energetic field and your pathway to grow and involve and keep unlocking those doors. So the way, I guess a simple way of saying, explaining it would be like, you can't move on to the first grade unless you pass all the tests in the second grade, right? So you can't move on Mm -hmm. to a different class or another level until you pass this level. So I feel like when we talk about energetic healing, it's a a lot of that. Yeah. And then just to be able to fully express who you are, not true. Yes. Not express all the other energies that are in your space and controlling you to some extent. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause we're so distracted and we let those distractions mm-hmm. control our emotions. So yeah, you're right. When you tap in more into yourself, you are aware that those things are distractions. Yeah. And yeah. And you're like sure. owning yourself. Like, no, this is this is me. I know who I am. That other stuff is no. <laughs> and so I think like, you know, for people when they want to do the inner work and deal with traumas, it's so helpful. Like it has been for me to see our relationship unfold and how instrumental you have been in helping guide me. Every single time I've reached out to you, you have helped without judgment and from a place of understanding. And I think what's more important as you get it, you know, when I am I've always shied away from like getting really deep into certain practices, but now I'm embracing it more wholeheartedly. And I couldn't think of anybody other than you once I begin spiritual episodes to have you as my first guest, because you have in a very short time become such an important part of my life. And I just, you know, you're my 
as I fondly say, you're my Katie cat. <laughs> and Thank I love you. you so much. Okay, sorry, we digress. <laughs> Listeners, we get carried away. Just I, There's so much love I feel for this woman and I'm just, I'm so happy. Anyhow, okay, so the topic at hand, Katie, we're here to discuss Reiki. And for the people who are unaware of Reiki, if you could give a historical background and origins of Reiki, I think that'll be helpful. Yeah, so Reiki is a Japanese word and Reiki was founded, I guess is the best word to use, in Japan by Dr. Usui. It was one of his sort of like paths to enlightenment is how it was discovered. And he had many students. Then he he passed it on to Mrs. Takata, who was born in Hawaii, but she would go to Japan to get her lessons from Dr. Usui. And so she's the one who brought it to America but she brought it to America during the 1940s when it was World War II and Japanese internment camps. So she had to figure out a way to sort of dilute the practice for it to be understood and carried on within America, basically. You know, coming from a Japanese woman and it's a Japanese practice, they really had to water down the spiritual and the Japanese part of it, really. Because she understood the importance and she wanted mm-hmm. to provide the healing yeah. for people's benefit. But she was having a hard time getting the acceptance. Right. That's so sad. I know. Plus, obviously, being of a different cultural background, our own biases, and our preconceived notions don't give us the flexibility in exploring mm-hmm. something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really neat to actually study about it today because it helps you understand Like, I didn't really have, like I learned Reiki, I don't know how many years ago, but my connection came when learning the real history of it. From what you described about her watering it down and giving it to others, Do you know from studying it, if at that time when she was passing this along, did it help a lot of people because they were in the camps dealing from World War II? Mm -hmm. Did it help with their trauma healing? It did. And it helped. The reason why we know it helped is because people were continuing to become a practitioner and pass it on and keep having students and then keep you know, doing it. And then now it's worldwide. Have people gone beyond the diluted version and dug deeper because it's been what, seven decades? Yeah. There's teachers that have studied in Japan Mm -hmm. and then they bring back that the full, I mean, because Reiki is really supposed to be a spiritual practice to heal the spirit, body and mind. It's the whole thing. So, you know, when you get your hands on healings or hands off healing, whatever, whichever, you know, your practitioner does, it feels physical, but it's because of it's working on that energy field that is right outside your physical body and it does affect your physical body. But the actual practice is so much more than just that healing time. We say Reiki is 
an energetic, vital energetic healing, right? Mm -hmm. If you could expand on that a little bit more, you and I get it. But for the general audience who is listening to it, it's the first introduction to Reiki. Mm -hmm. So Reiki is the life force energy that exists. It's a, it's a higher vibration, but it's here around us all the time. Mm -hmm. And so what becoming a practitioner does, it allows you to tap into that energy and channel it so that way you can funnel it in, you know, right around a person and help in their healing process. And it's not, you don't use your own energy. So you're not like exhausted after doing any healings. You actually get a healing because it's moving through you and it helps you move things the more you practice and the more that you perform Reiki. And so basically you're channeling it just to help bring up any blockages that the person might have. Like stored trauma, Mm -hmm. emotional, because physical trauma too, sometimes people store it different parts of the body, right? Yes. Yes. And you can, when you get really used to doing Reiki on people, performing Reiki, you can actually feel the differences in the energy, like parts of them feel warm and things like that. And that's where you know that there's like more likely a physical, like a body ailment happening. But then the energy's trapped there. So you help move it along. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you can tell the difference between the emotional and the physical energy that is stored as you're moving through the healing process. Mm -hmm. It's because, you know, in a physical ailment or a physical injury or sickness, there's energy that's going to get trapped. trapped. Yes. Yeah. And so it just feels a little bit different. Anything else like from just the historical perspective of Reiki? Well, so the whole practice of Reiki is really, there's like the pillars, the precepts, the principles that Reiki is founded upon. And it's really about every day, like just for today, Mm -hmm. you are nice, (laughs) you're not angry, you do good work and you're respectful. And so it's like every single day, like you don't look at it like, oh my God, I have this big task ahead of me. It's like, nope, just for today. And then the next day, just for today. And so it's really a practice that brings you into the present moment when you can meditate on those, you know, precepts daily. It helps bring the whole Reiki practice into basically like living Reiki when you're you're living the practice. Living in the now. Mm-hmm. Don't let your future self be concerned with what hasn't happened. Right. So if I understand you correctly, if you live in those five precepts you said mm-hmm. of Reiki and you practice it, it soon becomes like second nature. So you're right. constantly in the moment. And so, of course, with human nature, things may happen. But if something that you dwell upon, you're not going to dwell upon it as long as you would have otherwise. Right. And then there's also when you really dig deep into it and because the precepts were written in Japanese. So certain mm-hmm. kanji mean different things and the energy to those characters carries different kind of energy. So there's just like so many layers that you can keep going and going and going. And it's just really beautiful. Yeah. Likewise, in some of the Hindu stuff, Mm -hmm. right, as I'm learning, and I was telling you earlier, is that all of these branches have so many limbs. And then there's 
the layers just, you can't, every time you finish a layer and you think you know enough and then you uncover another aspect of it and you're like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how, you know, when you start your spiritual journey, it's great, but it can become overwhelming very quickly as well. So it's almost like you have to be okay with being an eternal student. (laughs) Like I will always be a student of life because... That's just you're always learning something new, (laughs) which is a great foray into what I wanted to ask you next is if you could share your journey of how you discovered Reiki, what was happening in your life when you stumbled upon it? Mm -hmm. And what I also want to ask you, too, is did you find your teacher or did your teacher find you? Interesting. So I was in an intuitive training program. And I was drawn to hands-on healing at that time. I didn't even know of Reiki. So I'm going to pause and ask you, why did you go into intuitive healing? I, that was a calling as well. Like basically I knew that I, there were things in my life and disruptions that were happening that weren't me. Like I just wanted to be content. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was sort of, you know, when you go down those crazy slides at like the water park, you're just, you're you're just going down and you're flying all over the place. And I'm like, I need to, I don't want to be at the whim of what everything's happening. Like Mm -hmm. I, I want to know myself and the intuitive training really helps you understand like what you see psychically, what you feel, how other energies affect you, how to stay grounded. And more to listen to your gut feelings and get more in tune. Yeah, exactly. And how to become confident in your own intuition. Mm. And then how to clear your energetic space of other people's energy. And, but I was really, I was being drawn to hands-on healing. And then in that class, I met a Reiki master. I didn't do level one and two through her, but I went to the school that she like taught at basically um, because she wasn't doing level one and level two at that time. But I don't know if the teacher found me or if I found the teacher, we found each other. (laughs) So the reason I asked that is, you know, I'm going through a different spiritual journey, which I might share once I'm a little bit more comfortable. But the thought came to me is, And, you know, you often hear about the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So for me, in our culture, we say guru. Mm -hmm. So my guru hasn't appeared, but what has appeared are different teachers. Mm -hmm. So when I am ready, my aunt, you know, she's deep into a different spiritual practice. She has popped into my life and she's always been there, but we haven't been as close to teach and guide me through some things. And when I feel like I am burdened with questions or I need directions, I will stumble upon something on the internet or through whatever medium is discovered. Mm -hmm. It is delivered to me. But whatever questions I have inside that like, if I can't reach out to you or I feel like, I don't know who's going to have the answers. I feel like now my guides are working to get me the right mediums mm-hmm. or the right teachers to further me along my journey. Yeah. And 
you know, the other reason I asked you too is because sometimes when you get a teacher, you feel you feel so indebted to them yeah. that you don't want to move on. And I was having a, this discussion with my mom and I said, when I look at my gurus, I don't want to be indebted to just one because I feel confined. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it is, you are my guru for this particular subject, just like we have subjects in school. And, you know, obviously as a student, you have to pay your debt to the guru. Mm -hmm. I'll pay my debt in whatever that looks like, but you are my guru for this subject in this time frame, not somebody who is generally overlooking my life. And we do have that. And I think I do need that at some point. But, you know, I keep telling myself and I have enough belief in me that when I am ready, the teacher, that overall, like a parent who looks after mm-hmm. you, that teacher will appear. Right now, I'm getting subject matter experts. Yeah. So I don't know if you've had that experience and like your Reiki teacher, is she still a part of your practice or would you say she was just a subject matter expert in the time you needed her? I feel like she's still a great friend but mostly a subject matter expert mm-hmm. because it's it got me ready for the next step, I guess. Like animal Reiki was calling to me and every the kind of Reiki that everybody else does with animals just wasn't, it wasn't vibing with me. It just didn't feel, I don't know. I don't know if it's authentic or... So before we go into like your current practice, Mm -hmm. right? So you were sharing about your, how many levels did you do with this teacher of yours? And how many levels are there to Reiki if you're starting out? There's uh, level one and level two, and then three, four is the master. So I've done all of them. Yeah, you're a master. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And doing the master, if anybody is doing Reiki and they're questioning whether they should, I mean... Even if you don't do it to actually, because that's the whole point of it is that you're supposed to be able to teach other people. But even Mm -hmm. if you don't do it to teach, it creates shifts in your life and it helps your practice of Reiki, even if you're not teaching anyone. So when you start, when you were doing the healing work on people, Mm because I've had a session with you, Mm -hmm. but I did it with, you had another friend who did a sound bath. Yeah. And the sound bath coupled with Reiki, I was extremely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. because the sound bath for me was triggering. Yeah. Triggering. And I just found it annoying. It's like, that's the energy in your space. That's like, I was so irritated. (laughs) And do you hear that from people? No, there's like different things. Like there's people who feel like they want to get up and run out of the room. Like you can't keep still. And that's always the energy that's trying to keep you from the energy that's is supposed to leave. Mm -hmm. That is next up in line for you to kick out. They're the ones that are there irritating you. So you will leave and not release them. And I don't know, like during the sound bath, how I just, I literally gritted my teeth (laughs) and I sat through it. And I think it wasn't until the tail end when I felt some sort of peace mm-hmm. and so I remember was it you and there was one other person or two other people who were doing the because it was a group in that yeah. shared space so you guys were walking around and doing the energy healing and when you came around and I'm like 
She's not going to put her hands on me. What the <laughs> hell? I just sat through this annoying sound bath. And I, you don't need to touch me? <laughs> what on earth? You started the healing work. The energetic healing. And initially nothing happened. But as you moved down, the release came. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I was crying. And I know I was releasing something. And I just sobbed. And I went from being irritated to being a hot, sobbing mess. And I felt this release. And I think, you know what you said, if I didn't fight that energy, because it's really hard. Yeah. And if I had walked out during the sound bath, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Yep. But you have to find the deeper strength within to just push through. And, you know, the other thing, too, what I want to tell people, listen in, we make excuses and we push through some shitty experiences. Yeah. And we put up with a lot of shitty, uncomfortable things. So I have to tell myself, if I've put up with all of those, why can't I put up with something that's annoying for right now? And it's an annoying on a level because you know that the minute this goes on, something else is going to release that's good for you. Mm-hmm. But you're fighting against it because you're so comfortable in that pain and suffering. Yeah. And then usually the people who are there in these group settings, everybody... You feel the collective energy too. There's like a shared release, basically. Like everybody there is, you know, it's almost like one of those meant to be kind of things. True. It's the energy that brings them together that you probably are triggered by somebody who's there that you don't even know. But that's what needs to happen in order to release that energy. So then, Katie, let me ask you this is, for instance, I'm having that release, right? And I am, it's coming out in me physically sobbing and crying and whatnot. Then there's somebody towards the end of the room and their energy is very different. Mm -hmm. They're more at peace, they're zen, and they're more attuned. So, how does that work? with the overall energy of the room because I mean in my head right now as I'm talking to you that creates an imbalance Mm -hmm. well we set the room with Reiki so Reiki balances the room but at the same time it's everybody's release is their own personal so sometimes somebody's release could be stress Mm. and that release looks like you know relaxation but setting the room and grounding it helps keep everybody's emotions that come up from like taking over. So it's you're really about holding a lot of space. Okay. So you, so that when my emotions come over, it doesn't flow into the person next to me and take over their energetic field right. because you grounded the room. Mm-hmm. And how did you ground the room? So we use a couple different techniques. One of them is grounding it with, a visualization, um, and then also using Reiki symbols if we're going to do a Reiki. So it's like clearing and grounding. So you get out any energy there that wants to influence the space, you ground it with visualization, and then you also put a protection over it so nothing else can get in and influence it. And now I know what you mean about protection because as I am embracing my journey more holistically, I didn't realize that years ago when I was sitting in that room and doing chanting in the evenings Mm -hmm. and my meditation, I was already envisioning and putting up a shield 
And I don't know why, why that came over me. And I was like, that's fine. It's a way for me to discipline. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go with it. And I've had some visions unfolding. And I was like, oh, everything now makes sense. So you know, when they say hindsight is 2020, there are small moments. And even my session with you are all building blocks Mm -hmm. into bigger and deeper things that are supposed to that are not only supposed to unfold for you, they're just paving the the road. Yep. Paving the road. Yep. And you won't know it until you get to building your practice more and more, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. I mentioned, Katie, that when you came over and did the energetic work, you didn't put your hands on me. Mm-hmm. After you, I have gotten Reiki sessions done with somebody as well who was recommended to me. And she too said that she didn't put, she wouldn't put hands, she doesn't put hands on people, but she felt compelled to put her hands on me. So during my first visit with her, she said already prior to me coming over, her spirit guides, oh, sorry, my spirit guides were already talking to her. Mm -hmm. She recommended a book and she said, my spirit guides would tell her, make sure the dog is out of the house because- Before I started driving over there, I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you beforehand, but I have a phobia of dogs. I can be close to them, but like more than five feet. Like I haven't had a chance to get over my phobia. And she said, no worries. I've already taken care of it before you've been coming here. (laughs) And she said she had specific crystals laid out for me that my guides had already told her, which I found fascinating. Mm -hmm. So when you do one-on-one sessions, do you also get like information downloads from the person who is supposed to come and see you? Yes, sometimes before, but during, and not every Reiki practitioner gets anything like psychically, but yes, like during the session, a lot of times there's um, a lot of information that I'll get and sometimes before. Do you find it or have you ever in any of your sessions found it daunting or even initially when you when you started when other people's spirit guides and information would be you know you would start receiving them were you afraid not afraid sometimes it's like at first it's like wait what the heck is this what am I seeing (laughs) like I remember with some what someone I saw just like a bunch of running horses but then in the session I understood why I saw that Mm mm-hmm You know, if the information starts to come too quick, it's like, okay, just you kind of have to work with them. Like, okay, just chill out. Like, this is how I can see it. So let's just slow down. And that's what the other Reiki practitioner has said to me as well. She said, for me, it was two of my energetic fields were blocked, which was the throat chakra Mm -hmm. and a bit of the heart chakra when she said the heart chakra i was so surprised i'm like no no my heart is wide open what are you talking about it's ready but i think it was in a different aspect because when she cleared that up oh my gosh my dating life took off (laughs) but yeah i think she opened it in too much because (laughs) I guess I hadn't cleared out enough energy because it took off. But my God, it wasn't the right high vibrational (laughs) people. 
Yeah, because you can have things in your space that even if you feel okay, it's influencing what's happening in your life. Uh, it's kind of wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting because the second time I went, it wasn't... I mean, when I was laying on the table with her, as she was moving along, and she when she placed certain crystals on me, the tears were coming. Mm. And then I started getting visions. And so when I would say them out loud she would just confirm it. So that validation yeah. felt good. And I had never, like the visions that came to me and I, that I was telling her, I had never had those visions until I was laying on that table. Mm-hmm. So she was doing the healing and the energetic work. All of these things were unfolding. And she said, I am being compelled and being asked to put my hands on you mm-hmm. for a reason. And she she was perplexed herself, which was interesting. And I've had that experience with a few people. Like, you know, I think it was my ancestral energy. Mm-hmm. It's been heavy. I mean, I've done the clearing work for that too. But I'm honored when she said she doesn't do handwork, but she's being asked to. Mm-hmm. So there must be something in my energetic field that she feels comfortable, even though it's against her practice, Mm -hmm. to do that. Because you can always say no. Right. And she didn't because she saw something that was greater. And so I was was such a (laughs) sobbing mess. I don't even know how I drove home. I left there with raccoon eye. (laughs) And I just came home. I drank so much water and the next two days were just hell. Same thing when when I had the... First session with you, you told me to drink water, but you didn't tell me until I almost reached home. (laughs) So I was like, what am I going through? It was like a hangover you can't recover from. Mm -hmm. My whole body just felt drained. And it wasn't until you said it was a a detox. Mm -hmm. Well, like it's your body going back to homeostasis, basically. So it takes some shifting and when you're moving energy around, sometimes, yeah, it's like the fatigue. Well, and a lot of it is that our our physical body is slow compared to our energetic body. So when our energetic body is, it's already like, okay, we're done. We're up to date. Your physical body has to level up to that vibration. And it takes a lot longer and it can be uncomfortable. In your practices, have you had a very uncomfortable session where you thought, oh, I don't know if I should continue this because it just kind of spooked you? Mm -hmm. No, I haven't. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And mostly because when you're doing Reiki, it's really about being in tune with your psychic and um, intuitive hits Mm -hmm. and also your Reiki guides. And that's part of like, you know, I don't usually do hands on, but I will if it's if I'm drawn to it, you basically let the Reiki run, run the let the energy guide you. Yeah. There's a lot of people who also do distance Reiki Mm -hmm. and distance Reiki is something I myself am skeptical of. 
do you, have you done distance? Yeah, Reiki? I do a lot of distance. So how do you tap into people's energy from a distance? Because that person could be distracted by a number of things. Mm-hmm. So is it just as effective? Yes. And sometimes it could be more. It just depends on the person. So usually for distance, we like to either like set up a time so that mm-hmm. way they're not doing anything crazy or they're just maybe it's right before bed or sometimes I will do it like later at night when I know they're probably sleeping. And because energy and Reiki energy itself transcends time and space, you just tap in to their energy and you send the healing that way. Oh, so they don't necessarily have to be awake. No. Because you, Oh, that's something I was unaware of. Because you're just tapping into energy. Mm-hmm. Duh, it makes sense. Yeah. Which is great because, you know, they also say, and we're, I'm digressing a little bit, is when you go to sleep, you go into astral yeah. plane, right? Mm-hmm. So you can tap into more of a pure and pure energetic form in the astral being versus when they're in the physical body and alive running with distractions. Yeah. So then... If the person is asleep and you're doing the distance healing, what have you gotten back as feedback when they wake up? Do they feel refreshed? Yeah, they'll say like, oh, the best sleep I ever had. Mood. They just feel really happy. Um, and then when when I've had it when they're awake, they sometimes can like actually feel the energy moving. You know, when you're doing the energetic healing through Reiki, mm-hmm. it's so important to set intentions. Have you seen or also heard of Reiki practices that haven't worked out or have opened up the wrong energetic fields for people where I, it has done them harm rather than good? I've never experienced that myself. I have read things about that that's happened to people. My take on it is the Reiki practitioner. It's important to, you know, look at who you're going to. And also the person who's going just have a little bit more education around what's going to happen to them. This Reiki practice that you're doing and the healing that you're providing is something you mentioned to me that's your calling. Mm-hmm. But you also have your day-to-day life, mm-hmm. a job that you go to. So how are you able to separate when you need to get into your practice and make sure that your emotions and whatever you have going on separate from this doesn't bleed over? Do you really have to take a few days and get into that mindset or you just need a quiet space for a little bit? So that the healing that you're supposed to give. Right. It depends. But most of the time, it's a setup. So basically, I um, take, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to really just ground myself, run like earth energy and cosmic energy through my energetic body to clear it out and really uh, reset my space. So I'm in my space. I know my space. Uh, clearing it from everything, all the work stuff, and then just sitting with myself for a while and then really just connecting. And then that's when I go into the healing. Yeah. 
you mentioned you've done a lot of personal healing and I've had, as I mentioned, have experienced it. Do you still um, practice on people? Because you also said you do animal healing. So mm-hmm. are you doing both at the collect, doing both animal and like people healing? Yes. And my goal would be able to like my, what my future plans are. I really want to do animals and people together. What made you do animal healing and why animal healing? I've been a veterinary nurse since um, 1996. That's amazing. (laughs) I mean, that's why we can sit and talk about this because we've got the experience and maturity. And so healing animals has always been from, it's like my, I came to this earth for that. I knew when I was like five years old, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said a veterinarian. So I became a veterinary nurse and I thought that I wanted to branch out and just do people because I didn't want to be a veterinary nurse anymore just because it's, it's hard, something that's hard to retire from, Mm -hmm. but everything sort of has come full circle into where like who I am can actually exist and the way I feel about animals can actually exist and I can actually still give to them the way that I want to and also people. Yeah. So, so you can fulfill your materialistic goals, which is to earn a living, mm-hmm. have a roof over your ha- over your head and still take part in your calling, which yeah. is healing. How is healing animals different than when you do with people and you know there are a lot of people who say there's a way to communicate with animals Mm -hmm. and I do believe that but energy must move differently through them so if you could you know help educate me as well because I don't know about animal healing yeah I think I didn't realize how much I was communicating with animals and still I until I started working on myself like intuitively And really the difference between the healing with animals and healing with people is the results that you see. There's no mind that is filtering anything. There's no skepticism. There's no rushing you through something and all the thoughts coming at you when you're, when you're healing people, there's a lot of energy that you have to sort of push out of your space in order to continue doing Reiki on somebody. And then with animals, you're just there with them. They level up the practice. I've done. Interesting. What do you mean? So they're basically like they are in our lives healing us. Like animals come into our lives and they do a lot of healing in family units and people Mm -hmm. and they absorb a lot. And so they're especially like old soul kind of animals and horses and things like that. When you sit with them in Reiki, they just like amplify the Reiki space. I mean, I have been (laughs) in Reiki sessions with dogs who I've just felt like I'm about to pass out. It's like so (laughs) strong. Just the energy overwhelmed. Yeah. Like I opened the Reiki space because I practice differently with animals because if they, they don't know you, they don't want their hands on you. Or near them. So it's really about respecting their agency and respecting their autonomy and how you approach them. 
And it's really like a session for them because they give so much to us. And I mean, they're like the best sessions, like they're the best healings. They are funny and sometimes they demand stuff. It's just like, (laughs) I want you to explain that a little bit more because, you know, like I said, with with us, you can see it physically, whether it be in our body language, Mm -hmm. the tears, the agitation. What does that look like for the animals? Yeah. So for animals, it can be that they, if you're in person, they can. So basically we open up a Reiki bubble Mm -hmm. and it just encompasses the area. So they can, it's basically letting them walk in and out of it as they please. If the energy gets too strong because they're more sensitive, they can walk out, they can walk in, they will just go right to sleep, deep sleep. And this could be, or they'll sit next to you. If they want to be touched, they'll go up to you and want you to touch them. If the energy is too strong, they'll just stay like around you. And I've done distance Reiki where I have my bubble open and all my animals in the house are like just hovering around me (laughs) sleeping. And it's because I'm doing Reiki with, um, you know, a pet distance. You mentioned they're funny in what sense? So like. I've done Reiki. I do Reiki. I have a regular client and she, the dog, they were talking about going to the beach. I didn't know this when I did the session. Mm -hmm. They were talking about going to the beach all day. And then um, when I did her session, I was, she kept showing me the beach. I kept seeing the beach and because they went to the beach without her. (laughs) (laughs) They went to the beach without the dog? Yeah. Because she's older. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, um, she just keeps showing me the beach. So she really wants to go. And they were like, oh my gosh, we were talking about the beach and we went without her. <laughs> oh, so she's letting the dog is letting you know that. Yeah, she's yeah, not okay off. with this. <laughs> but it's really interesting, though, because her that same our session started because she had got attacked by another dog. And after that, she wasn't letting her owners touch her. She was trying to bite them. Mm-hmm. So it was like getting impossible to try to get her outside. So after we did four sessions, like a, each week, we did one session a week. And by the end of those four, it was like, she was back to normal, but it was going on for like a couple months. And they went to the doctor and they're like, well, she's not in pain. We don't know why she's doing this. So they wanted to try Reiki and I did an in-person and then the rest I did distance. And by the second one is when she like finally like let them pick her up. It was like a gradual process, but. So let me ask you this, Katie, you know, I've seen TV shows and I think there was a Netflix series as well where they show dogs who are unruly Mm -hmm. and owners who can't control them. And they take them to this like really extensive training camps, Mm -hmm. but they also have a lot of emotional trauma. Yeah like human beings that you're getting into. So once you unlock that, then everything becomes so much easier. Mm-hmm. So at the, at the core tenet of it is getting to understand the emotional need of a person mm-hmm. that we sometimes don't want to address ourselves. So what you're doing essentially is through Reiki, unlocking mm-hmm. all of those And sometimes we put a padlock on it that is, and we secure that padlock with so many different ties that you have to slowly cut each tie and then eventually unlock that padlock to set 
the humans and animals free. Yeah. And it's the nice thing about Reiki is that it's not like something, it could be something that is so traumatic that it's hard for somebody to talk about consciously Mm -hmm. so that you, you don't have to name it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to, because there's layers that live in us that of trauma that live in us that we can't name and we can't, we don't even understand really how they're affecting us. Some of them are tied up in our DNA from Mm -hmm. our ancestors. And Mm -hmm. I read that they're there for what? 14? Yes. And like 14 or 13 generations. Yeah. So, and, and to your point, it's something we can't explain. We just know it's there. And unfortunately, sometimes because of that DNA that ties us together, we're experiencing pain that's not ours. Exactly. And so Reiki can address it without it being like a conscious thing. That's why sometimes when you're releasing, you're like, I have no idea why I'm releasing this way, but it's a release. That's fascinating because... You know, I've seen training videos of animals that take really extreme measures I know, I hate those. to get them to behave with the owners. And I do understand for the owners, it can be hard. Yeah. But I think if people just like we want everybody to accept and understand our emotional well-beings, mm-hmm. they're also a living, breathing entity or sorry, not entity, but a mammal, right? Right. So, they need, we need to give them the same emotional space mm-hmm. and realize that there are traumas that they're dealing with that need addressing just like ours. Yeah. And a lot of animals, I see what they take on in the family. A lot of anxious dogs, they're anxious because they're taking on the anxiety of people in the family. They can be in so many different realms that they're almost like, protection even in when you're sleeping oh They'll yeah be there in the astral with you and they can yeah so it's like cats oh, wow cats are really cool to um I especially like doing distance with them because you don't have to really invade their space you can have the healing with them showing you all kinds of really neat stuff so you would say that the dog the the, the healing you do with the animals the dogs are probably more challenging for you because of the layers you have to unlock versus the cats. Would it be fair? No, I think it's more like they're just different. Like dogs are very much in the same life with us Mm -hmm. and cats are very much in and out of everything. So they just have a lot more crazy stuff that you (laughs) see. And you know, just to digress a little bit, what you said about the cats, they're in different places. I also believe that there, we exist in parallel universes. Mm -hmm. There's several universes right now as you and I are sitting here and talking that exist around us. So when they say you create your own reality, you very much create your own reality. Yeah. You decide what universe you want to be a part of. Because, you know, when I was visiting my family last weekend, my cousin said something and I said, nope, I don't accept. This is not my reality. And he looked at me dumbfounded. (laughs) Like, what did she just say? And I just pretended like I didn't see that expression on his face and like the look of shock because I understand he doesn't realize and is too young. Yeah. But it's a way of just now transmuting and recognizing it. So I complete the minute you said that they exist in different places at the same time, 
I got it. <laughs> but, you know, to our listeners who might be new to this, you're thinking we're just <laughs> really <laughs> out there. We, we are a little bit. But, you know, if you, again, what I had said in the beginning of the podcast is if you just bring down the shields from your own biases yeah. and give yourself the opportunity to know that these other healing techniques and you know some of the things we're talking about astral planes and all of these things they do exist out there mm-hmm. it's tricky to navigate yeah but very beneficial if used in the right way yeah and i mean there are actual like scientific studies on it i don't have them on hand but really what the studies show is that it reduces it puts your body in a state where you can actually be in a resting phase and that's how the healing happens because you can't heal when your cortisol levels are up and everything's all crazy. So what Reiki does is it like lowers your blood pressure, puts you in like a good state physically. And that's what is believed to actually it puts your body in a place where you can actually heal. But you're also not just telling me you've seen it transform mm-hmm. your own life. Yeah. See if you can, as much as you comfortably share with how Reiki has helped you take a new, I don't know, from whatever place that was probably the darkest into mm-hmm. where you are now. Yeah. When I first started my first attunement, I went and was able to find myself a different place to live that was more in line with where I was in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I was feeling stuck before. And then as time went on, it's like it's cleared out some of the noise in order for me to understand what direction I should be going in my life. And I know that if I didn't have that, I would probably be in an old job. I mean, yeah, in an old job, not making very much money, struggling, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things. And it's just really opened up a space of being able to know myself so I can be confident in where I'm going and attracting, you know, the right partners and people in my life and, and having discernment, you know, there's a time in your life where you don't have discernment. I feel like that's (laughs) it. That's great, Katie. And that's such a strong key word, discernment. Mm -hmm. But the ability to discern, I think is one of the biggest gifts any practice can give you. Mm -hmm. And that will not only open up a whole new world, but the freedom that it comes with and how good you feel. Yeah, discernment is definitely a key into creating your own reality because then you're not just floating by on the river. You're using your discernment to create what your next thing is going to be. And that discernment will open up doors that you had never even thought Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. and the things that will just unfold before your eyes you're like wait my brain never thought in this direction but because you have done the healing and you keep opening up new layers of yourself yeah the path will 
be revealed and be well lit for you. Yes, yes. But you have to pass through all the difficult tests in all of the (laughs) healing is. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about that healing. You know, we've talked about, oh, Reiki is so great. It provides a lot of healing, but it's not easy. Correct. It's very scary. I mean, like I said, I wanted to run out of that room, Mm -hmm. but you have to fight through it. Why do a lot of people, Katie, give up as soon as they begin? I think it is an uncomfortableness. And there's also an aspect of there's work, there's, you know, that you have to do and discipline. And and that doesn't mean that, you know, everybody's perfect and they wake up every morning and their meditations yeah. and everything, but just the discipline of even if you did go out all weekend and party, okay, well, that wasn't a great weekend for my spiritual practice. Monday, I'm getting back to it. So it's about living, being able to live your life with some discipline on doing the work. And like the work really is multifaceted because it is our mind, body, and spirit. So Mm -hmm. like for me, it's Reiki. It's also the intuitive energy healing and like readings that I do with another group because it helps clear out. And then there's also therapy. Like it's multifaceted, the healing that you do and you use different things at different times in your life. That's true. There are different techniques and different things you'll gravitate towards Mm -hmm. in your healing journey. And, you know, I find it so fascinating because dealing with any sort of traumas, it's painful and you don't want to do the work. But then I look at it and I think you sit in your grief for years wondering why nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. And if you could just go through the painful process and go to the depths of the darkest moments... It's going to be hard, but that hardship that you experience is temporary compared to the lifetime right. of pain. Because like, you keep poking that wound and making it deeper and deeper, mm-hmm. and it's not serving any purpose. And you and I get that because we're willing to go through the pain. Yeah. But it just beguiles me when I see people who waste their time and talk about this affirming things and read all the books, but not putting it into practice. I also think that it's almost for some people, they've lived their life a certain way and it hasn't been maybe happy or whatever. Like you don't, their mind doesn't even know what that looks like. And it's almost scarier. The unknown is scarier than the known and the easy just to stay in it. I think what people also don't realize is what a blessing it is when you just show one the initiative and then the courage to do the healing. Mm -hmm. Because this is just my opinion, Katie, and please feel free to chime in, is that you don't understand the strength that you have and not a lot of people have that. To go through the healing. Yeah. So know that when you do that, when you address the traumas within you, not only are you healing yourself, which is what you want, 
but you're also helping heal generational traumas, mm-hmm. break those generational curses and helping heal everybody around you. Yep. And it takes a warrior to go through that. That's so true. It really is not for the faint of heart. So when you start and you're like, it's tough. And I had that realization that God chose me because my ancestors and the ones before were not strong enough. Mm -hmm. So when I did all of the work for them in that moment, I knew that my purpose was already fulfilled because they waited generations yeah for someone to come into this lineage yep to set them free and it's not for the easy no you definitely like the amount of it's really about like courage because you don't it's there's so much unknown on the other side it's and scary what you have to go through to get there is a lot you know and you have to be okay with sometimes not living up to societal standards because you're in your house healing, like you're sleeping because your body is trying to catch up to what you've been doing. And that's been me for the past, I think, two, two and a half years. I am such an extrovert, you know, as you know, I love being a social butterfly, (laughs) but I've just been in hibernation mode and completely shut down unless like, you know, I'm traveling for certain things, but it's because as you said, I'm doing the healing work and it's so scary. And I had, you know, I was telling Katie prior to us sitting down and recording this that I almost died in trying to do the healing work for my ancestors because there are energies, you know, that are so comfortable with not being healed mm-hmm. that they will stop you from mm-hmm. doing the inner work because they don't want to be released. Yep. And that has been a journey that I will talk about. But, you know, if you're on this healing journey, I we just want to reassure you that, yes, it's scary. Let's not, you know, brush it under the rug and make it all pretty and put a bow on it. Yeah. It's nothing like that. Yeah. It will test your resolve, mm-hmm. your patience, my faith. But you have to, and this is what I tell myself I know I'm being tested and I believe in you. So I'm going to show up. It's scary. Please guide me through. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people, when you hear on social media, do this, do that. It sounds so pretty, but it's not. The work is not pretty. A lot of people get turned off of it, but it's worth it. If you don't cave in to the dark side and like just say, I I can't do this anymore. Right. And I think that's part of... um, on social media, there's a lot of the love and light and oh, the new no, age. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, like only high vibes, only whatever. But like, that's <laughs> not reality. And you almost know that the people who are, you know, trying to teach that, that they're not doing the work because that's not the reality. So to play the devil's advocate, their real reality may be that now, mm-hmm. but they're not talking about the dark process that it took them to get there. We'll talk about the dark parts of like the healing process. But with Reiki, there's also a lot of skepticism as well. We're talking about energy and the healing Mm -hmm. work. You said, 
you need to do some homework and like really know the practitioner and the teacher you're going to. I mentioned when I got it done with somebody else, she was opening up my chakras. In Reiki, it's energy healing, but there's certain people who do Reiki slash chakra healing. Yeah. Chakra healing can be dangerous, right? If you don't do it right and you don't know what needs to be opened when. Yeah, like a Reiki itself is just Reiki. Which if, is just energy, nothing to do with chakras. Right, right. Okay. There are like there are three energy centers in the Japanese practice of Reiki, which probably overlap with chakras, but it's only about channeling energy. There's nothing else really that has to do with anything with like opening them or whatever. It's more about channeling the Reiki energy through these energy centers. But yeah, I think any energy healing, it's definitely good to do, do your research on the person that you, and you know, word of mouth is always the best, but it's just like anything like acupuncture. There's a lot of skeptics. I get acupuncture. That's another one of my, that I am also leaning into that for <laughs> tools in my toolbox. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow <laughs> that from you. So yeah, Chinese holistic healing is another tool in my toolbox. Yeah. Because it really, it's that another way to move energy in your physical body, but it's really working on your energy, you know, channels and things like that. So also, I want to say at the tail end of last year and early this year, I saw on social media, a lot of people were associating Reiki with demonic practices. Yeah. Why would they say that? Because a lot of people, you know, I don't usually read comments, but I was tempted and I did go and look at it. And people, a lot of people were saying that they felt these demonic experiences when they were doing Reiki and it kind of was Reiki and chakra. Mm. So that's why there's a lot of people and understandably so why they're critical of Reiki. Mm -hmm. So what were your thoughts when you also saw that going around? Yeah. I, for, for me, it's always important to know who is doing it and what kind of Reiki they're doing. The, I don't want to say problem, but a, the challenge with the way Reiki is taught now where it's taught really quickly is that there are people doing it who don't do the work. So anybody doing energy healing, who's not doing the work is going to pass on things to their clients. And part of doing the work is knowing how to keep your energy separate from your client's energy. You don't want to merge them. And I think it's also important to further clarify that with any healing practices, there's the light side and the dark side. Yeah. The dark practices gives, yields faster results. Mm -hmm. But there's also something that will, it will take from you. And sometimes the price you have to pay is not worth it. Mm -hmm. So I think what you were saying, Katie, is some of those people who probably do it the easy way are probably tapping into some of the darker spiritual powers that deliver fast results because there's a monetary gain associated with it, right? You appease whatever energy that is giving you the fast results. Mm -hmm. So you grow more, you get more clients, but that's not always in the best interest. And I think a lot of people 
who aren't into the healing work and haven't done the research are unaware yeah. that there's dark and light practice with anything, whether it be Reiki or any other practice from any culture, any part of the world, mm-hmm. please be aware that there's light and dark. Yeah, because it's it's the person who's being the channel. And what channels are they opening right. and where are they receiving the energy right. from? So it's really good to see, you know, if you're looking at a Reiki practitioner that they have their lineage posted or, you know, available because then you know that they learned Reiki from somebody who was taught the Japanese Usui Mm -hmm. style. There's a lot of different Reikis out there that are all different and they're supposed to tap into different types of energy. I can't really speak for those. I have done angelic Reiki, which... Ooh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Which you basically work with the um, angelic realm. And I do practice that occasionally. It's it's super powerful. It's super high, like super high vibration. But there's a lot of different Reikis out there that you just kind of like, where is this coming from? But bottom line is, if you want to start, go to its roots. Yes. Go to its roots. See how it's working for you. What it does then you dive into all of these things that exist or the things that, you know, see on social media and you want to try. No, no, we we advise you not to do that. This is our personal opinion. Yeah. This is our strong suggestion. Take it if you may. But we would say do your homework. Mm-hmm. Go to the roots. If you can spend hours on TikTok scrolling and listening and like <laughs> this like delusional stuff. You can take the time that you spent on like whatever platform to do the work and do the research for yourself, for your own betterment. Yeah, because anybody can, if you go into a Sui style Reiki and you have a um, treatment and you are really getting good results with it, you can get an attunement for level one, which is basically self-healing. And that is really just to help you clear your energy, allow Reiki energy to flow through you and you just do healing on self. And that alone can help sort of shift, make a shift in your life. I think just a session in itself can be so eye-opening for a lot of people. And I think for you and I, as we step more into like the healing sides Mm -hmm. of ourselves you know for us in the long term it'd be great for people if they take anything away from us even if they heal just one small fraction Mm -hmm. of themselves that's what more could you and I ask for yeah you know you learn something from us you decided to take an action-oriented step yeah and I think one thing about Sorry, backing up really quick. No, of course, please. (laughs) To um, finding a practitioner is one thing is ask them how they protect the space when they're doing a Reiki and if they do anything special to set up the room. I personally think those are super important because light can attract dark. So those people who were having visions, it could just be that the Reiki's pure. It's just attracting things into the space and the and the person who's doing it didn't set it up. 
Because not only when you're setting it up, but you also have to close that energetic field. Yes. Okay. You separate, you close it. Because there's a lot of misinformation and a lack of education. What you yeah. just said are basic things we should ask for, but a normal person wouldn't know. Right. So if you could just, like, I guess, tell our listeners so they know what to be aware of. Yeah. Um, definitely um, Usui style Reiki. Their lineage should go back to Usui when they have it posted in their books or whatever, their learning material, how they set up their space for treatment and how they, you know, protect the space. What did they do anything? What do they do? Ask those kind of questions. Does the years of experience matter? I would say it's hard to say. There's some people I would say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there's other people who have already been doing the work and end up in Reiki and they're already like super psychic and they Got are it. natural. I also wanted to ask you for people who don't practice Reiki. I have my own different meditation practices that I follow. Mm-hmm. How could you integrate some of the Reiki principles in your day-to-day life where you feel like, oh my gosh, it's, you don't want it to be cumbersome, right? Because very quickly people will say, it's another thing I have to do. I don't Mm -hmm. have time. Mm -hmm. They start making excuses. So something simple, like maybe from one of the five uh, precepts that you were talking about, a simple thing just to start you off because habits take 21 days to form Yeah, that will just help aid them into the next part of the process. So the Reiki precepts really are, you know, just for today, do not worry, do not anger, you know, work hard, all those things. But something that I learned from my animal Reiki teacher, who by far I've learned the most from, she studied in Japan. She teaches all about the whole spiritual practice of Reiki And one thing to sort of summarize it that I use in my daily life, and it's because we use it as a mantra with the animals when they're really nervous, it's basically all is well. And so it's like, all is well, all is well. Like that that mantra can get me through so much because it's like, nope, all is well. Like it kind of like brings you back down and reminds you that like, even if you're feeling a certain way, all is well just for today or just (laughs) for this day (laughs) or in this moment. Yeah. All is well. Yeah. It's so poignant that you said that because when you start repeating that, I, and I used to say that exact phrase in my twenties and it came from an Indian movie of all (laughs) things, leave it to a ball, leave it to Bollywood. Right. But this phrase was really popular. I don't know, over a decade or so ago, somebody can correct me. But yeah, you say all is well, and you will literally, when you start saying it, that energy- It changes. It changes. Mm-hmm. And so you could be in the darkest of things, you know, like all is well. And whatever stories that were being concocted in your head, they seem to maybe not entirely go away, but just pause. Yeah. And then you keep repeating it. And lo and behold- Yes, that's it. They don't have a chokehold on you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So if you wanted to do self uh, relaxation and stress relief, what is something that they could incorporate? I would say definitely um, meditating, but you don't have to meditate like 
empty out my mind. You could meditate on the all is well, just repeating that, meditating on one of the precepts just for today, do not worry. Also using those phrases and journaling what comes up when you are chanting it. Also coloring. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, like definite stress release because you are focusing your energy in such a way to where you're just, but like the little, you know, the ones we use with the pencils, the really fine ones, Mm -hmm. like that kind of coloring where you just really intimidated by meditation because I was just going to say that. Yes. But there's so many ways you can clear your mind and walking meditation, just being in the moment, five senses. What do I, you know, just looking, feeling, seeing, and smelling. And that puts you in the moment. And then just walking. Those are things. And then, you know, if you're, if it's something where you actually want to do a physical release, I do like tighten all your muscles, let them relax, tighten them, let them relax. And you can do, you can put hands on yourself to sort of self-soothe. But I don't, I don't know if it will channel any Reiki. Not necessarily Reiki, but the, what, you know, the things that you said, they're so simple in just helping ground you. Yeah. Because we are so overstimulated, Katie, and burdened by so much noise that I feel like we all have ADHD at this point. I know. (laughs) I definitely feel that way. Because you don't get a moment to disconnect at all. Right. For me, the walking meditation is always the one because it, your mind will be ruminating over things. And then once you, okay, okay, let me get, come to my five senses. Then you start noticing the birds and the trees and all the things. And next thing you know, you feel calmer. And also- And you're not trapped in your brain loop. Yeah. And to add to that- we're not in nature as much as we yes. out to be. We are so swept up mm-hmm. in the AI and the technology, which is great. It has great benefits, but we're not allowing ourselves to be grounded and be a part of nature, mm-hmm. which is just as healing and can give you so many more benefits than you trying to, you know, just find the five minutes to sit down and without fidgeting so just get outside get that fresh air gardening gardening yes all those things that those are meditative practices once if you're just focused on the task washing your dishes Mm -hmm. that could be a meditation all those things when you're just doing a shower meditation you know if you're in the shower and you're like i'm just cleansing myself of all the energy that's not mine and just there's so many simple things that you can just incorporate in your life little trigger points where you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this as a meditation. Technology has such a big influence Mm -hmm. on us. So how can we incorporate some components of that? Those two apps that I use, but then also on your social media, being mindful of who you follow. And what you consume. (laughs) And what you consume. Like those are really, really important. But yeah, there's a there's definitely a lot of apps out there that can help you. And I think that as long as they have the right intentions, then they're cool to work with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And don't follow everything blindly, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't do it. <laughs> oh, there's one that's called um, Breathe that I really like too. It's an app? Yeah. And what it will do is, and it can connect to if you have an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it does Android. I would assume it does. But you can set it up for times during the day to remind you to just sit. And then it has like a pulse so you can breathe with it. And then you just move along your day. And they're nice breaks to like get out of that rat race mind Mm -hmm. and then reset yourself. And I think we will be talking about this. I don't think this is the last time because there's so much to talk (laughs) about. Not just Reiki, just spiritual journey and just the healing process in itself and the different tools that you use, the different tools that I use and how it overall has led us to where we are now. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, as we grow into our practices, we can then bring that full, bring it forward to help heal and provide a little bit of light. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. That's what I really, it's really about just putting the information out there and whoever's meant to hear it will hear it. And it, that's you know, it. if they move forward with it, then that's great. Yeah. We're just here to provide a beacon of light. Mm-hmm. Wow, Katie, what um, enthralling and <laughs> enlightening discussion. I've learned so much that I didn't even know and things I haven't thought of because my practices are so different. They lean more deeply into, you know, my cultural yeah. roots as well. Thank you so much for being a part of today's episode and for for sharing your insights (laughs) and wisdom. We have explored so many different components of Reiki, you know, delved into its healing energy, how it can be beneficial. And it really is such a synergy, as you have said time and time again, between mind, body, and spirit mm-hmm. and how it can play such a pivotal role in your overall well-being. As we wrap up today's episode, I encourage all of you guys to take a moment to reflect on the concepts we've explored today. If you're drawn to the practice of Reiki, remember that this journey to wellness, it's a very personal one and it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You may try it And it may not work out for you and something else may. However, if you're really keen and more curious to learn about Reiki or holistic healing, you, as we've said, we encourage you to find the right practitioners. My friend Katie here is a professional. She spent her time and she's got years of practice and knowledge. You can follow her on Instagram at Magical Mohair or at the Wellness Spot LLC on Instagram as well. I will have these linked in my notes. So, and also on an Instagram post. So if you want, you can find the information on there as well. Katie, is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners? Yeah, uh, just thank you for having me on here. And just any step forward is a step forward. So... And it's a step worth celebrating. Yeah, exactly. Okay, with that, we'd like to thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening episode. And I look forward to connecting with all of you soon in another episode. Thank you. Bye.